The Word of the Lord, from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1-8. through Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he saw, and he rose and went for his life to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation is the Old Testament passage of 1 Kings that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Had a bad day? So, you had a bad day. It happens to all of us. And for the most part, we survived and even learned a little something along the way. How to improve our planning. How to manage our time. How to keep our focus when freedom from responsibility was just so alluring that one day. But freedom comes with a price, as any veteran will tell you. And sometimes taking advantage of said freedom can result... In a bad day. I learned some years ago that God doesn't always want us to have a good day. I know, that seems really harsh. But if you read the Bible carefully, you will know that some of the most famous accounts had more to do with bad days rather than good days. Like when Paul and Silas found themselves in prison or the apostles were physically attacked. Stephen was even stoned to death. Moses was a runaway slave. Abram lost his wife to Pharaoh. Now grant it that was totally his fault, but a bad day nonetheless. But what if you had an entire bad year? Over 20 years ago, myself and over 100 of my classmates at seminary were departing for our vicarage assignments. It's like an internship for pastors before our final year of seminary education. I will never forget what they told all of us going into that year. Just remember, gentlemen, you can do anything for a year. Now, most laughed. 
But the few of us that were second career students took that as grave warning to what lay ahead. At the end of the year, we came back together and shared our respective war stories. Some didn't come back to seminary at all. Just a little taste of the ministry was enough to tell them they really didn't want to be a pastor. Some came back with joyful stories of getting along with their bishops and loving the experience, hoping that congregation would call them into full-time ministry there. And some just survived the year. Unfortunately for Marcy, my son Micah, who was about one at the time, and me, well, we were one of the survivors. We lived right next to Section 8 Project Housing, which meant it wasn't unusual for us to see spent bullet casings on the ground after a night of gunfire. We served three parishes, and I had two bishops, which took virtually all of our time and usually my day off, too. I had to stand in the parking lot of one of the churches after voters' meetings to help my bishop break up physical fights. And that was the first time I ever had a funeral for a baby because my bishop got caught in an ice storm and couldn't make it to the ceremony. The dean at the seminary was right. I could do anything for a year. And when we shared our stories, one of my friends when he shared his story, forced me to bow to the supreme lunacy of the year he experienced. No matter how bad you got it, many times someone else has it worse. And what if this is your whole life? I met, we'll just call him Oliver, about 15 years ago. He was the vicar at a congregation in a city adjacent to the city I served in. He'd come into our translation group so he could sharpen his Greek and Hebrew skills before returning to seminary for his final year of instruction. He had a hard life, and his vicarage was no exception. He grew up in a tough town in poverty. He rose above his circumstances to get a commission in the army, but then he promptly was sent to Iraq and Afghanistan as a captain. And then he had a really hard time with his bishop on vicarage. At one point, it got so bad, his bishop actually challenged him to a fight in the parking lot to settle their differences. When I asked him how he was handling it, he told me that he had found a private spot under a tree on the church's property, and he would talk to God there. Sometimes cry to God there. And sometimes even yell at God there for his seemingly unending difficulties. Talk about a bad day? How about a bad life? He reminds me so much of Elijah in our Old Testament lesson today. Elijah likewise had a bad life. And Elijah found refuge in God under a tree as well. Elijah's bad life began when God called him to preach against the evils of Ahab and his queen Jezebel in the early 8th century BC. It all came to a head when Elijah defeated the false prophets of Baal, 
Jezebel's favorite religion in that day. And by defeat, I mean that Elijah slaughtered every one of them at the Kishon Brook at Mount Carmel. This enraged Jezebel, who was determined to track down Elijah and do to him and everyone that assisted him that much, if not more than they did to her beloved, albeit deceitful priests. So Elijah moves out to Beersheba of Judah and then another day's journey into the wilderness and finds a single broom tree. And there makes an interesting confession to God. For all his glorious victories, raising the widow's son from the dead at Nain, confronting the king and living to tell about it, and defeating all the prophets of Baal, Elijah knows now he is no better than prophets who had failed God before and considered himself unworthy to continue as his servant. Then he falls asleep under this one broom tree. Before long, the angel, the Lord, comes and shakes him awake and gives him something to eat and something to drink. He then rests some more, and again the angel, the Lord, shakes him awake and sends him on a journey that takes him 40 days and nights and leads him over 200 miles to Mount Horeb before God. How often we forget that when we are at our worst, God is more than present with us to comfort us, to give us rest, and to feed us like a never-departing friend, brother, or sister only can when our spirits are at their worst. Like when Paul and Silas found themselves in prison and were subsequently and miraculously released by God. Or Stephen, whilst he died, saw heaven and Jesus waiting for him. Moses parted the Red Sea and saw a nation freed, and Abraham lived out his life knowing the promised land was to be settled by his sons, safe and secure with God as long as they believed in him. Oh, and my friend? Well, he actually survived his vicarage, went on to serve in Africa as a missionary where he met his beautiful wife, and now is one of the most sought-after preachers in inner-city ministry for his skills as a pastor. But the story of success is just a result of something so much more important than the happy ending itself. It's the reality of what happens at that one broom tree. Too often, we feel that our efforts should have the results that we think they should be. Evangelism fills the church, faith heals sickness, stewardship pays the bills, and Christian cooperation avoids painful hardship. But Hebrews 12.11 may reveal that we are looking at hardships incorrectly altogether. For we sometimes feel God is only blessing us when we avoid pain. But God says this is often discipline. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Fruit comes from trees. We all know that here in Florida. 
But peaceful fruit can only come from one tree. The tree of life in the garden, the tree where Elijah was resting and fed, the tree where Jesus saw Nathaniel, a man in whom there is no guile, the tree where my friend would pray to God for relief from his present difficulties and find peace, all lead us to the tree where Jesus sacrificed his body for our sins and then made peace between God and us so we could live forever with him in the new heavens and the new earth with the tree of life planted by the river of God. When we pray, we usually ask for what we want. But the real gift, the real reward, the end goal, is having God to go to, to talk to, who we know will listen. Because it was never about what we wanted. It was always about what we needed. And we need that firm, constant relationship with Jesus, who feeds us and nourishes us with his forgiveness and gives us the strength to live each day forever with him, because we were always in the shade of his tree and always will be. So, where is your tree? It's already covering you and saving you from sin in its shade through your Savior today. Because when we're with Jesus, it's never a bad day. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.